0: We have with us today, Dan Guernsey. He is senior fellow at the Cardinal Newman Society and he is a school principal as well at Catholic school. Uh, He joins us to discuss literature and the arts in Catholic education. Welcome Principal Guernsey.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Now I have a document here about literature and the arts uh, in Catholic schools uh, put out by the Cardinal Newman Society. Before getting to that, tell us what does the Cardinal Newman Society do?
1: We promote and defend faithful Catholic education in all of its iterations, uh, K through graduate school, and um, offer support uh, and evaluation services to schools to help them maximize their their missions. So that's what we do, and we um we're getting a lot of requests in the realm of literature about schools needing help. And so we began a process of consulting with other Catholic academics um, to figure out a way, a process forward to help schools through this um, challenge of what does one do with literature in Catholic education in the modern age. So um, that's, that was the genesis of the policy standards. Uh, we also gener- generated uh, general standards for literature as part of our Catholic Curriculum Standards Project, which is currently in use in uh about 32 dioceses around the country. So those are policies on how to approach literature. Yeah. And uh, when you go way back, this all came from our initial foray into the Common Core to try to advise Catholic schools not to follow the public schools into only educating for college and career, but into looking deeper. So that, that's kind of a genesis of how we got here and where the document came from.
0: Uh, you know, I wasn't going to ask about that, but the, now that you bring it up, uh, I actually worked on Common Core in the in the ELA standards and, and wrote a few of the better standards i think in that but i was disappointed at the final outcome and i was surprised why did the catholic schools adopt common core they, just like, they again, want, as you say just yeah. like the public schools why do exactly the same thing
1: well, they were. They thought it was a prudential move, thinking that if the whole world was going Common Core, then we had to outperform the public schools in Common Core because the Common Core was presented as this just juggernaut of of of, of excellence that would set the standard. And so Catholic school says, well, this is, is, is this is the standard. We're going to go higher. So we're going to outdo them in the Common Core. Yeah. And again, uh, in in it's the Common Core itself. The problem wasn't necessarily the standards themselves. Many of the standards are acceptable. The problem is that the standards are, were limiting, and they didn't include the broader context of what Catholic schools do, because Catholic schools do more. We're about more. So if we're just following secular guidelines, we may miss the genius and the focus of Catholic education. So that was what we did. And so our genesis was not that the common core standards are terrible, but that they're insufficient. They're not complete for use in a Catholic school. So that's when we began looking, consulting with scholars and research and saying, okay, what are some of the elements that literature can bring into a Catholic school's mission that we can explore and exploit to our our benefit, to show our excellence and that we do do more.
0: Yeah. That, that, your, your, your talk for the last couple of minutes tells me what, what necessitated this policy guidance. And, and all, the first thing that it emphasizes is, uh, is the bigger mission, the bigger role, as you, as you just said. One is that reading is not to be taught and practiced, quote, for its utility alone. What is the bigger call? What, 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 what goes beyond the utility factor?
1: Well, what we're attempting to do in, in, in Catholic education is um, develop the full human person in all of his or her capacities, and at the ultimate end, being their um, their salvation and service to the common good. So we want to take the individual student, um, maximize their intellectual capacities, maximize their ability to communicate and to understand other human beings in this in this greater process. Now, reading is absolutely essential to that. Um, to that process, but we don't want to get lost the, the means to the end. We, we, we read so that we can understand others and the world around us. We don't read so that we can, just so we can make money. That's part of it, but that's, you know, that's not the interesting part. That's not why we do it in a, in a Catholic school. It's more than college and career. It's about evangelization, integration, and the development of a Catholic worldview. So that's, that's what we're focusing on.
0: You know, Common Core really was founded on these principles, as you just, implied the college readiness and career readiness and workplace skills kind of thing then you you have a doctorate in education is that sort of reading as useful skill approach the utility uh, is that the dominant one in ed schools uh, no i i I don't
1: think it is uh, my argument would be and we're seeing this come to fruition right now with with critical race there, but let me pause and say I do have my doctorate in education, but I also have a bachelor's degree. In English mm-hmm. and a master's degree from UC Berkeley in English and a teaching credential, so i've got that background i'm coming at it not just as a as an educator but also as a as a uh, a lover of the English um, uh, reading and literature so um, where did
0: where, you go did so you go to undergrad so I went English? to the
1: University of San Francisco under father Fessio's St. Ignatius Institute back in its heyday
0: okay okay
1: and um, so but yeah, no the problem right now is is that literature is about human experience and human beings making meaning and and creating characters to translate meanings and worldviews. So that's absolutely a part of what literature is. And the challenge now is that the public schools are absolutely doing all of this. They're just not doing it openly. And the literature and techniques they're using are to put in a worldview that is in some cases antithetical to a Catholic worldview. So it's not that they're they're not doing this. They're still doing it. That ideology is getting put in now through literature. And so part of what we're trying to do is just bring all of this out and say, what is the role of literature? What impact does it have? Um, and then, and then how do we do it really well in the context of our Catholic mission?
0: The second principle highlights the Catholic mission of quote, critical systematic transmission of culture. What more specifically is that about?
1: Uh, again one of the one of the principles that we're doing in in catholic education the reason we have catholic schools is not because we can teach reading and writing better but because we can teach it in the full context of the human person and his potentialities including spiritual intellectual uh, moral uh, all of them together so that's our That's our competitive advantage. That's our mission. So when we are approaching um, what we do in history, especially in literature and philosophy and theology in Catholic schools, it is in a cultural context. Uh, We are, you know, you know, we are cultural animals. There's there's no way around it. And so what we're what we're doing is is exploring the proper nature of man, his experiences, um, and how this takes place in an evaluative context using our, you know, Catholic. Catholic worldview about what is man's end, what is good and evil. So we're doing these things um, uh, at a you know at a at a much deeper level. And again, one of the even at the university level, although they they, they typically don't have as many um, uh, guardrails around literature, their our function at the uh, at the um, uh, collegiate level is to bring the pervasive influence of the Christian mind into the furtherance of culture. It's what we do. We don't just do our, you know, some generic thing. It's we're bringing the Christian mind into the, into the public square. So it's our, it's our mission to kind of figure out what, how do we bring our, our insight into the uh, conversation?
0: Yeah. You, the, the document uh, says that works chosen for study must be framed within a Catholic understanding of reality. Give us an example of a work that would do that, maybe from your own school, or, or from your own teaching?
1: Well, I think again, a, a lot of literature looks at the the, the struggles of um, that, that human persons are going through and their successes. So, the, and a lot of the the writers are not Catholic. The, 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 their subject matter isn't explicitly Catholic. Right? There's there's actually only a few authors that would fall into that category, but we want to look at the general experience and the lenses through which the characters are moving and the situation is progressing and critique it according to a Catholic mindset. Now, doing that with something like Shakespeare is pretty easy, right? It's easy to kind of go to, to, to Macbeth and look at the, that role of guilt and, and sin and all that corruption and stuff, um, and Macbeth kind of resolves itself by showing the consequences of sin, right? Everybody dies. Um, but, in modern literature, uh, you may get to situations where it 's not so clear in some cases sin is normalized or or ca- characters engage in sinful behavior and it 's actually the form of you know redemption that they experience i 'm mm-hmm. uh, thinking of a book called the ceremony um, uh, that 's a Native American piece that goes in here where the person finds salvation through adultery and through learning that white people are bad okay? it, 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 If you read that book you don 't want to just let it stand on its own feet, but say, okay, let's talk about how the Catholic mind would approach this interpretive framework, and is it valid or not valid, and why. And then you present your arguments using the text, of course, you always do the textual arguments, but then also this Catholic worldview of right and wrong and human dignity and human ends. Um, uh, I mean, Kate uh, Chopin's the, um, the Awakening, right, an yeah. important piece of feminist literature is very important because who is Edna, the main signature? Is she an example of a selfish person getting her, you know, going into despair and death, or is she a victim of the patriarchy? Is she, a, is she an anti-Mary, or is she something else? So all of these things are, are interesting questions, but when we approach it, especially for our younger children in K-12, through 12, we need a, an experienced Catholic educator framing it so that the students aren't left in despair or not understanding at least where the Catholic worldview would come on this. So um,
0: one wouldn't keep the awakening out of the... Curriculum, but one as one teaches it, one would pose questions like: Edna pursues her romantic freedom, but what about her children? What about her right. role as right. a, as a as a mother? What happened? That's what. Right. That, that's the framing here.
1: Yeah, correct. And what happens sometimes in schools, I'm thinking of another, another you know, book that, I, again, probably not appropriate for high school, but Angela's Ashes by McCourt, a great, powerful book, but not one you want to hand a sophomore boy for summer reading when there's no context because it's so dark and so depressing that we could leave our, our kids confused. Or the same thing of The Awakening is a very short and easily readable text but its implications are so deep that without the proper unpacking, it could lead a student into despair or or misunderstanding, or at least if we're going to put up the radical feminist interpretation of the book, uh, which is important to do because our students, our older students can begin to understand things like feminist theory. But it needs to be, you know, um, uh, th- this alternative um, uh, uh, framework needs to put up there. Um, Uh, Giussani calls it the hypothesis of meaning that's behind things, right? What's the what's the meaning behind this experience? And and that we as Catholics uh, would present here's a Catholic framework. Now the students, older students, can accept it or reject it, but we need to make sure it's out there, because otherwise all we're doing is continually to echo what the world is giving them without any insight or 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 background. And again, that's not what we're supposed to do. What we're supposed to do is provide a, a, a public. Um, the public influence of the Catholic mind onto these materials.
0: Let's pause for a moment to ask if you were looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the Magisterium. That's the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas. Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the university offers an exceptional liberal arts education with undergraduate and graduate programs in arts and sciences, business, and ministry as well as a campus in Rome, Italy, all of them preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. How would you respond to people who would say that this Catholic mind, that Catholic reality, it's too narrow a frame for a 21st century classroom or a 21st century society or multicultural or multi-religious we're heavily secular and increasingly uh, uh, none uh, right. that that you're not preparing young people for the world. What's your response?
1: Our, our, my response is we're not preparing them for the world. We're preparing them for heaven and to serve the world. And so what we we're, we're not we're not we're not doing this to the exclusion, especially for our older students, of seeing the the other interpretations. But what we're not doing is simply. Presenting the same thing that the world is presenting, with no impact of the Catholic mind on it. Um, so again, this goes back to our our children are hundred percent products of this culture, right? There, and who's setting the culture, right? The culture is being set by you know Jay Z and and the Kardashians and everything. That's the culture, right? That's where the that's where our, what our kids are doing day in and day out. That's what's going through their ears and their eyes. Um, it's not Shakespeare and Dostoevsky and, and Mozart um that's so what we need to do is in in response to their existing culture of this 21st century which is very narrow and very you know ubiquitous and universal we need to present these competing cultures these competing frameworks and saying hey there's another way to think about human interaction and human dignity than critical race theory, these other theories that are coming down and surrounding you right now that are part of the air you breathe. Yeah. Let, let's go deeper. Let's let's see something else. So I would say it's precisely that's why we have Catholic schools. Otherwise, why not shut the door if we're just doing it because we want to be elite or, you know, you know, higher test scores? Well, I'm not interested in that, nor are the yeah. bishops, nor, nor is the Church.
0: The, the document actually warns Catholic schools against what, what you're saying, putting it this way replicating their secular counterparts. Do you mm-hmm. see too many Catholic schools falling into that pattern? Uh,
1: uh, unfortunately, yes. I th- and I think they fall into it. I think what we want to do is make them help them become more intentional about their mission. Because I think many Catholic educators, when you start talking like this and speaking to them, they go, yeah, that's that's what I'm about, but then they kind of struggle with, but how can I not do these other things? But one of the challenges with with um, Catholic schools is that we go for the Catholic educators is, is they're prepared in secular institutions and secular um, uh, English programs. So all they know is secular books interpreted through secular frameworks. And so we want to make sure what we're trying to do is give um, the training some of the resources to help Catholic educators uh, who are coming from public schools and public, public English departments, um, different ways of, of approaching the the end of literature. Again, especially for our younger grades, we're not interested in creating um, uh, uh, literary critics. Okay, certainly in, in college you need to have a literary, create a literary critic. But really we're trying to give them the basic tools to unpack a text, to look at its meanings and to look at what's happening and then make a response. Um, So you can get all caught up. I know know you were talking about this uh, in a previous podcast about literary theories, right? There are dozens of literary theories out there which are important, but really a a ninth grader just needs to have a simple awareness of not to go in deep, um, but to really just encounter the text uh, and and do so in a a way that's um, reasonable according to the discipline without getting in all the particularities of advanced Mm post-deconstructionism.
0: I remember in, in the '80s seeing some of my fellow graduate students trying to teach Foucault in, in yeah. freshman comp classes. I think yeah. you, you got to build the foundations, and Foucault would have said this: of yeah. course, you read the basics. You just have sort of the exposure, the familiarity. Just get yeah. the background literacy, the background knowledge. And then, you know, maybe when you senior year, you can get into these more complicated uh, notions. But w- one thing the document mentions that I, I liked seeing was the cultivation of a student's quote, aesthetic
1: Mm. capabilities.
0: And when I've said this to freshmen, that one of the goals for them as they proceed through their college career isn't just, you know, grades and uh, career advancement, but the advancement of your taste, right? Yeah. Making your aesthetic, your sensibility, broader, deeper, more capacious, more reflective, and better, higher taste, right. better taste. And, and, principal, they look at me with a blank stare because no one has ever said this. I, I, I'll say to them, look, you like music now, you're 18, you're freshman. If you like the same music when you're 22 and you're graduating from this school, you failed somehow. We failed you, but you failed somehow. <laughs> right. And that, again, that just strikes him. Why does American education ignore such matters as the cultivation of taste?
1: Yeah, that, that's great. That's a good, good insight. Um, yeah, I mean that, that's what Cardinal Newman, Cardinal Newman, as he was talking about, the idea of a university, right? He's trying to come up for, you should do it for its own sake, learning and knowledge. He says, but if you have to find something practical, it will elevate the culture. It will elevate the conversation, which is again a practical impact and important to look at. <clears throat> I think part of it is what we do with what we've done, at least with uh, some high school education and, and AP, is we is we we train the students to game the system. That the, you know what you need to do is produce this type of paper um, to get this kind of score to get through this hoop so that you can get out of another hoop later. So it's this it's this. Quantification and, and credits and everything else whereas what we to really get deep is, is going back to those foundational sense of a foundational sense of wonder a foundational sense of, of, of Beauty of, of goodness, right? So we we I, we teach in a classical school here. So we really get those kids to see it Let's talk about where is the harmony the proportion the radiance in this thing How does it does this give you goosebumps if it should give you goosebumps and doesn't give you goosebumps? Why not? And can you see why another person might get goosebumps if they were able to reach this level of insight, even if you can't? So it it takes time, but if we can create Catholic school cultures, which are, again, reorienting themselves towards these uh, elements of truth, beauty, and goodness, I think we've got an easier claim um one of the things we do here like we'll do a day of wonder and what we what we do there is that we say we go to the kids and say surprise there's no learning no grading no nothing happened today we're going to stop all regular instruction and we're just going to talk to you about things that make us you know ecstatic as as teachers so here's my favorite poem my fa- my favorite piece of music my favorite museum my favorite artwork whatever and so we do these things just to remind the kids. Let's break out of the, the the rut of I'm trying to get through high school so I can get into college so I can make a buck. All of which our kids are doing, but to but to spark them. And and if and if we have good teachers who are oriented to this, they can sometimes infect the students.
0: Yeah, I, I have a text you can add to to that discussion. William James has a great essay called "The Sentiment of Rationality," and he says that that sentiment, sort of the sentiment you feel this. He refers to ontologic wonder, just sort of wonder at moments of wonder at creation. And he really means he really means it this combination where wonder brings together sentiment and reason in in a remarkable way. So you you can add that to your list. Principle, I, principle I'm, I'm writing
1: it down right now. Okay. And it, the, it reminds me of my own experience going through the San Ignatius Institute. Is is that I was encountered through Father Facio's faculty and whatever this sense that I hadn't been exposed to the liberal arts fully alive, and then once I got there and I learned about you know how poetry could really work and how powerful it could be, you know I was like wow. <laughs> This this is exciting, and I could make a life as a teacher, doing this and teach poetry and do and do these things. I said, they're, what a li- they're
0: gonna what a lucky life that would be. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I know
1: we don't pay nice. a lot, but it's what we get to do, and yeah, yeah. and so I think that sense, if we can, if, if for those who are called to education, um, if if we can capture that, it is a delight. It is a it's a delight, right? And um, you know, if if the universe was created out of God's love and excitement and joy, then if we can come at uh, his creation with those same characteristics, we might just, you know, hit the groove and find some really cool ways to spend our days.
0: Yeah. Uh, how reliable, as, as schools, you know, are trying to fill out their their syllabi, how reliable are recommendations from, you know, publishing and, and uh, uh, library organizations, young adult organizations, such as the Newbery Awards? Are yeah, there recommendations it, 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 worth following? Uh, they are extremely reliable
1: and entirely worth not following. (laughs) (laughs) They are very accurate. They're very consistent. uh, Consistently Uh, wrong. yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that were back in the day when probably you and I were kids. You know, you'd see the little, you know, you know, you know, you know, Little Newberry Award on it be some sweet story about you know uh, that would be endearing or whatever. Now it's a sign it's a sign of wokeness uh, and that you're yeah. there. So um, we recommend being extremely wary of uh, library associations and the book award companies, uh, especially in youth fiction. Um, a lot of the stuff has really come into um, the the um, realm of the uh, uh, gender ideology and uh, homosexual ideology and, and things like that. So just to be aware, So especially, especially prevalent in youth fiction, um, I came across we came, one book that you know, on the back it says, you know, here's a story of how Sally um, gets through her high school years and goes through these struggles and eventually realizes her love for Frank. Well, it turns out, if you go into the book, Frank is a girl, right? So they're doing this stuff. The coming of age stories that are really pushing this agenda. So we have to be wary of it and just look for what's excellent. So we actually, but yeah, we actually have to read what we're assigning to the kids or what the kids are bringing into the school. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had a situation in our school last month where, you know, luckily a teacher, you know, saw that a couple of the kids were reading the same book that we weren't aware of and looked at it. It was an adult book with, you know, profanity and sexuality in it that there was inappropriate for, you know, a school but luckily, you know, it, so it's not just reading for reading's sake, right? You know, you, you got to be reading for content. And the, and there, this is the book that, oh my gosh, if these passages were read out loud, they would be completely scandalous and pornographic. Yeah. So, and it's well, happening well, right under our noses. It's what the kids do when they go into the common culture and the common literature. It's kind of like the same thing with music. If you're not listening to the lyrics, you, you know, so you may walk by kids in your school listening to stuff that's talking about violent or incredibly inappropriate sinful behavior. And it's just like, guys, not here, not now. Let's get you something better.
0: Well, you know, the appendix in the document gives some sample uh, list of principles of selection mm-hmm. that different schools and organizations yeah. have come up with. They, they should be very helpful, the school leaders who are listening now, or or parents even picking books for their kids to read. But one of those principles is precisely be free of significant or shocking Profanity. Are you amazed at how much of that is to be found in young adult fiction now? Yeah, yeah,
1: it, it's it, it's it's abso- it's absolutely shocking. And 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 I must say the the matrix which you're referring to is is what we did is we, we use what you know rubrics are very common in education now. So it's basically saying here's what qualifies as excellent, here's what qualifies as good, here's what may qualify as fair, here's what's what's poor. And so we do this for the, in the context of Catholic schools. So clearly, you know, a public library and a publisher, you know, may want to have books published that have profanity in it or, or more uh, graphic material to make a point. And that may or may not be appropriate, but our concern here is in a Catholic school where we are requiring students to become exposed to something, right? They don't have an option to opt out. They have to read this and encounter it. We can find... Plenty of books out there, in the, in the thousands and thousands of books that men have written, women have written through the ages, that don't have explicit profanity or, or sexual fantasy or graphic violence in them, that can still accomplish similar tasks. So what we're trying to do is saying, listen, when we're when we're taking people against their will and forcing them into something, let's let's find something that is can do the job without. Um, you know, without going into unnecessary, unnecessary uh, elements that are problematic. Now, again, sometimes, especially for older kids, you do have to get in material, right? It's you know, it may be okay in some context to read, you know, books with some profanity in it, but you, you, you approach it beforehand, you know, and then, and then mitigate for it or talk about it.
0: Yeah. My own, my own issue with the profanity, you know, the F word everywhere is that, uh, one often sees young people in particular trying to express something and they simply don't have the language to do it. They don't have the vocabulary to exteriorize what they feel inside and that the profanity is really kind of a substitute Mm -hmm. for the words they don't have. It it intensifies a statement because they don't have good adjectives and, and adverbs and verbs that will impart that. So the profanity is often, uh, to me, I, I find it. it's, it's a confession of, yeah. of a, a, a meager lexicon that people have, and this is something that goes back to their schooling, right? Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't get rich, full literary education that would build the vocabulary, because when you don't have the words to express yourself, it's a terribly frustrating feeling. And,
1: yeah. Okay. And, and, that's, and that's, you know, again, one of the things we try to do at our school is do an incredible, as much as possible, uh, small seminar discussions because it takes hours and hours and hours of practice articulating your point and, you know, having to come up on the spot, you know, go deeper, explain that again. It comes with with practice so if you read great literature so that your your mind is thinking you know deep thoughts about complex issues and and struggling and then you're with friends and with a professor who's also excited about the material you know, honing those skills of discussion, looking people in the eye and not getting away with, yeah, you certainly can't use the profanity in class. Um, So it does challenge you. So we don't want to just breeze through a bunch of literature, but focus on the best, most impactful that can get us into how do we help give the students the tools to understand how a Catholic framework uh, encounters um, these elements. But if we, if we don't do that, sometimes what happens in literature departments is we, we wind up reading a lot of depressing secular literature, which is just giving the, you know, one mindset over and over and over, but just from a black author, now a feminist author, now, yeah. you know, a, a gay author. But it's the same theme. It's the same message not being challenged. So we're just changing the color or the proclivity of the author versus really getting to that, uh, uh, those deeper approaches to saying, here's, you know, here's what, here's what happens. Um, so there's a lot that can be done, and, and we just need to make sure that we're coming back to what's our, you know, what's our mission. You know, we know what literature does, now what do we do, right? We create this integral formation with um, bringing theology and Catholic culture into the conversation, where, even where it may not be wanted, and challenging it, and challenging the worldview.
0: L- last question, Dan, stepping out. Uh, yeah. What do you see or hear? About enrollments in Catholic schools in the in the wake of this pandemic uh
1: yeah our <laughs> yeah, our experience what we're hearing is is generally it's up um in and in certain areas you know i'm I'm coming to you from from Florida, and we've just got walloped. we were up by tw- our enrollment up twenty percent last year, huh. and it's up even higher this year, but we're out of space, so we're turning away more than a hundred kids next year, so we're actually in another crisis here. where, where, where we have desperate people striving to get in and we, and so, so, but again, what I would say is, is that that those who, who get it right, who see that, okay, there's something more that needs to be done in our child's education because freedom is at risk. And there's a univocal culture that's coming in now that's so powerful that how do we break free of it? Or how do I give my student the most facility? How do I make my student different from the carp, from the cookie cutter, you know, a student who's coming out now is: We need to do something radical, and this is no time for dilly dallying. Our, our you know our children, our culture is at risk, and you know that's good. But that's well, a great opportunity as well.
0: I would say that the the demand gives the schools the freedom to say we're not like other schools, and we don't want right. to be like the ordinary schools. We're different, and and that's right. one of the things that, that is that is actually the the, the key to right. the demand now let me ask you uh okay you ha- you have insufficient space for you know the 100 students you 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 could yeah. admit do you have also insufficient teachers is there a shortage of teachers maybe maybe, um, maybe in certain subjects uh
1: yes yes but i must say because we're kind of in a you know we kind of have such a particular vision that we're going that we have teachers as well who are who are willing to move from quite a distance to be here? So huh. again, I would say, I would say, because we're different and because we're so powerful in our vision, it is attractive as an as an employee employment place, a destination to say, I want to be. We have one teacher who's leaving us from 20 years in New York. I just got her resume, and the, the public school teacher said, "This is one of the best teachers I've ever had," and she's moving down here and taking probably half half her salary, but wow. she says, "I got to go. I got to go." She gets it. She sees from New York City. And, um, yeah, uh, just outside of New York, the New York area. So I, I think there are those opportunities. But again, the other thing we want to look at is with teachers is that if we, can, we want to find broadly educated teachers who are in love with learning, and then we can teach them their, you know, some of the teaching skills on top. So it's not just uh, official teachers that we're looking for, but, but lovers of knowledge and, and lovers of human beings who can walk into a school environment and say, I can put my gifts to work. And then there are certain skills we need to teach them by all means. Uh, But but we can do that. So we need to look broader than just the teacher colleges, which, again, unfortunately, most of them are are just they're they're woke places teaching the same thing. And they're very generic. There's very little diversity. So we need to be aware of that. But, yeah, we uh, anyone who's feeling the call to be to teach who's not already teaching, who's listening, come on out.
0: Yeah, the the document is literature and the arts and Catholic education. Uh, What is the website of the Newman Society?
1: Uh, www.cardinalnewmansociety.org.